COVID-19 continues to grip our state as attempts to return to a semblance of normalcy hobble along. And after years of collecting data, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found that Arizona has the second highest death rate from the disease in the nation. And for most of January, Arizona reported an average of roughly around 20,000 new infections daily. This is the stage set for schools this semester. Last week on The Gaggle, we heard from our own education reporter and the executive director of Arizona Schools Administration about what the situation looks like on the ground. This week, we turn our attention to the state capitol and the bills that could affect schools and their abilities to defend against the coronavirus. Welcome to The Gaggle, an Arizona politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Each episode, we explore the issues that affect our daily lives. We hear from reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on Arizona's political news. I'm your host, Ron Hansen. And I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez. Today, we're joined by our own Mary Jo Pitzel, state government reporter, and Stacey Barchinger, who covers the Ducey administration for the Arizona Republic. Welcome back to The Gaggle, ladies. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Okay, let's begin by having you lay out some of the key education bills that are in play right now. As we know, the beginning of the legislative session is where lawmakers dream big. What bills are gaining traction, though, right now? There's a bunch of bills that sort of deal in the whole culture war um, arena, real heavy emphasis on trying to curb any kind of influence on LGBTQ communities, as we see that in the bill that came out of the Senate Judiciary last week that would ban transgender participation in girls' sports. Um, There's a parental rights bill, which is interesting. It looks to basically amplify parental rights when it comes to schools by requiring teachers to make sure that they report anything that's relevant to a child, a student's mental, emotional, physical health to the parent that's uh, that's raised a lot of questions in terms of how that would actually work in reality. Um, we have a bill that would require greater scrutiny of what books schools purchase to put in their libraries. And then we had the very interesting and um, uh, explicit discussion about banning explicit sexual images from school materials. What's notable is that so far there's really nothing on teacher pay what to do about the exodus of teachers or the looming big question, the $1.2 billion cut that schools will have to face if lawmakers do not raise the spending cap by March 1. Yeah, if I can just chime in, one thing that I would note, um, I think what we've seen so far is a lot of the bills that are getting hearings or that have been advancing, they really address the politics of the moment around school boards um, and to a, to a lesser extent, if at all, some of these systemic issues that we know Arizonans really care about when it comes to schools, um, about funding, about teacher shortages. And it really is striking to me that, you know, last week, y'all had Yana Kunachov on the show, and she talked a lot about some of the, like, mental health consequences of the pandemic on kids and the instability that you know, learning from home, learning in the classroom, and all these different circumstances have had. And we haven't really seen a lot of movement in the legislature to address those issues specifically. Do we have a sense as to whether these issues are going to be tackled 
via federal funding uh, that was given to the state visa via the federal government and Congress? Do we have a sense as to whether or not these are going to be general fund dollars uh, generated from the state that are going to be used to tackle these problems? How, how does that break down or do we even know yet? Well, the uh, the learning loss that everyone is concerned about, the governor is hoping that that will be addressed with the summer camps uh, that he is proposing, and that is going to be entirely from federal dollars. A lot of the details are still being worked out, but this is to bring kids up to uh, learning levels consistent with where they're at in the in the school system. Uh, it will be held at various schools around the valley and the state, and they're also working to partner with other um, entities such as Boys and Girls Clubs or YMCAs where they can uh, reach students. The big question is how many teachers will sign up to do this? And uh, as an enticement, the governor's office is saying that teachers will get a 20% bonus for taking on these summer duties whenever they begin. Yeah, and by doing it with federal funds, the governor doesn't need legislative approval, which, you know, I asked them about this a couple of weeks ago, and the reasoning there was they don't want to wait for the legislature to approve a program that they're trying to start, you know, as early as May. So by doing it with federal funds, they can create the structure of the program and get it up and running as soon as kids get out of class. But in terms of other issues facing education, um, something's got to give within the next month on the spending limit. Um, because if not, if, the, if that limit is not raised, then schools have to take a 16% cut to their budgets. Uh, that's $1.2 across all school budgets. And um, there is a lot of talk behind the scenes about maybe marrying this with um, a priority that Republicans really, really want um, in order for them to join with Democrats in raising that limit, the the expenditure limit requires a two-thirds vote of the legislature, so it's got to be bipartisan. The state has an aggregate spending limit for public schools. That means when you add up the budgets of all the school districts, if they exceed a certain cap that is determined by a formula that was a approved four decades ago, then they must cut their spending to come under that cap. This year, for maybe the third time in Arizona history, it looks like school spending is going to go over that cap. That means schools are going to have to cut about 16% from their budgets by early April unless the legislature waives that limit by March 1. Interestingly, the cap does not pertain to charter schools because they didn't exist in 1980 when this cap was created. So a lot of education, cultural war bills, there's going to be other bills that are going to try to address COVID in the classroom, I presume. You've got um, a big battle looming on funding and potentially the, the teacher shortage. Of the bills you've mentioned, which ones do you two see as having sort of the greatest chance at, at moving forward, either bipartisan, uh, in a bipartisan way or along straight Republican lines? Well, I do think that the expenditure limit will ultimately get raised, but it'll be a brinksmanship thing. Um, you know, tune in the last day of February uh, for that vote to see what happens. The parental rights bill that I mentioned earlier does fit the times uh, because it uh, purports to lay out more rights for parents to make sure that they know what's going on in schools. But it's really raised some problems. For example, um, the 
Education Committee Chairperson Michelle Udall, who is a high school math teacher, said, look, I have students that come to me and they'll confide that they think they're pregnant. And her advice to them, she said, has always been, look, your parents love you. Go talk to them. You're going to need them. Take this up with your parents. Her question now is that if a bill like this becomes law, is she required to pick up the phone and call that child's parent and tell them they, that they will learn from the teacher that their child is pregnant? She sees that could be very problematic. Likewise, others raise concerns that the same thing could happen if a child approaches a teacher whom they trust and confides that, you know, they think maybe they're gay or they're just sort of questioning, you know, a lot about what's going on with them. To which the sponsor, Steve Kaiser, who's a Republican from Phoenix, he didn't know what to tell Representative Udall. But in a more broad sense, he said, look, teachers are there to teach kids reading, writing, and arithmetic, basically. They are not there to console students or to confide in them. And that's brought a big barrage of complaints from people saying that you just don't have a sense of what goes on in a classroom. That said, I think that bill um, with some tweaks has probably got a good chance of passing because, as Stacy noted, it does sort of play into the politics of the moment. And, you know, who really wants to cut parents out of the school equation, which, you know, a lot of people say that parents have lots of access to schools right now. Just Just check out, you know, Google Schools, Google Classroom. I think also one other thing that we will see advance is the critical race theory themed bill. Mary Jo has written about this already. It almost became law last session, but then because of how lawmakers tucked it into the budget, right, it got thrown out. So we know also the governor has already signed the budget bill that has that provision in it. So I think from his standpoint, it's um, if it lands on his desk, it has a good odd of becoming law here in Arizona. So it, as we said at the top, COVID-19 is in the mix here as well with Arizona uh, with the second highest death toll in the United States. Hospitals in the state are near capacity. Uh, Governor Ducey and lawmakers have promised there will be no more lockdowns or mask mandates. What sort of legislation are we seeing on this front and how will that affect schools specifically or not? There are a couple of bills that specifically target schools and how they will deal with COVID-19. It's really popular to uh, call for a ban on any kind of COVID-19 vaccine as a requirement for school attendance. By my count, we have at least three bills, three separate bills that have already been introduced. None of them have yet been assigned to a committee and none has yet had a hearing. There are also a couple of bills, very popular, to ban mask mandates, um, including in the schools. And just as with the ban on vaccines, these bills have not yet been assigned and have not yet had a hearing. So lawmakers are very interested in passing a lot of restrictions on COVID-19, but um, there has not been much movement on that yet. The only one that really has seen some movement, and I suppose it could pertain to schools is uh, employers would be liable if they denied a religious exemption for an employee. So that could be like for a teacher or a school counselor. And if that person goes ahead, gets a vaccine because they want to keep their job, and then they suffer a significant injury. Um, That got through a a judiciary committee meeting uh, this week in the House. Whether that goes any farther, we will see. 
And another one, like zooming out a little bit, certainly the governor has held a lot of um, authority um, in these executive orders that he's issued during the pandemic, um, declaring a state of emergency and a public health emergency. And there is a bill that moved out of Senate Government Committee that would basically limit a governor's authority to declare that state of emergency. Um, When I say limit, I mean limit the time of it. So it would limit it to 120 days under his own authority. With legislative approval, he could extend it for 30 days. And this, I mean, this is the law that gives him really broad authority to, um, you know, require vaccines, which he has not done, but that is a provision of the law. Um, it's what allows him to order people to stay home or close businesses. So it really is the root of a lot of power in emergency situations like this. I should add that um, all the bills that address saying you cannot require a, a COVID-19 vaccine as a condition of school um, attendance, it it also extends to the, um, the HPV vaccine, but leaves intact all the other vaccines that have been historically part of the requirement for going to school. So there really is an intent to focus on the COVID-19 vaccine. Apparently, not all vaccines are bad, but this one is. So the nation, Arizona, obviously is in a very highly politicized moment, and it has been now for some time, it feels like. How is that manifesting itself in the legislation that that lawmakers are putting forward? I mean, you you have talked about some of the legislation that may have the chance of moving forward. What are we seeing that might just die on the floor that reflect this highly charged moment? Well, I think I'm going to tee up Mary Jo with this one, but... Um, Last, I think it was last month, you know, I was out at a high school in Scottsdale where some of our candidates for office, Carrie Lake, who's running for governor, Jim Lehman, who's running for Senate, you know, they were out there to talk to parents to, you know, kind of state their position on this political battle that's happening in school boardrooms. And one of the things kind of connected to that was a bill that came up that would make school board elections partisan. And Mary Jo, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Like that died this week, right? Yeah, it, it was actually pretty surprising. This was a bill uh, sponsored by Senator Michelle Eugenti Rita, um, who is from Scottsdale, and she has been out there with some of the Scottsdale parents uh, protesting at the schools. Her idea was that if you're going to run for school board, you know, you've got to run under a party label, uh, Republican, Democrat, I guess, independent, you know, libertarian. And it failed, mostly thanks to um, the no vote of Senator Tyler Pace, a Republican from Mesa, who said that, you know, he just doesn't believe that these school issues should be politicized and putting a party label after a candidate's name just further politicizes things. Eugenie Rita's argument was that, you know, people need to know where these candidates are coming from, and that's exactly what a label tells them. So that that bill is dead unless she finds some way to strike it onto another piece of legislation um, because you can't put it in the budget anymore um, because <laughs> of the Supreme Court ruling. Other kinds of bills, the you know the the one on the the ban on um, I don't know where the ban on transgender um, in sports is going to go. It's not an issue uh, in Arizona as much so far as we've seen the um, Arizona Interscholastic Association says, you know, they get more, they, they get a, maybe a handful of complaints about 
a transgender student who wants to compete in women's sports, they get far more complaints about kids who want to transfer from one school to another, basically to boost that school's sports teams. So we'll see where that one goes. Stacy, what about the governor's fight with the feds on the education front for his voucher program? What's the update on that? Um, well, that still is an open issue. The latest is um, U.S. Treasury sent him um, sort of like a second stern letter that threatened to take back the money. And then he, to clarify, the money is about $173 million that he has earmarked for programs that can only go to schools or families that don't put mask mandates in place. So he got another warning from Treasury that that was not an appropriate use of the money, that they might take it back. And the governor responded with a lawsuit, um, which has been really interesting. He is saying that because the American Rescue Plan Act itself that was passed by Congress did not explicitly prohibit tying these funds to like anti-public health protocols, that the Treasury Department in putting that in their rules overstepped, that they basically became lawmakers when that's not the authority of the executive branch. So quickly sued the Biden administration, and that is um, just in the early days. Uh, so we'll see in the coming weeks and months probably what happens. He's asking a judge to prevent Treasury from taking any action against the state of Arizona or you know, doing anything to stop these these two programs that the governor has created and is funding with American Rescue Plan dollars. So depending on how things play out at the legislature, this could either be the shortest school year in memory or the longest. We saw the activism, obviously, of the Red for Ed movement a few years ago. What are you hearing from some of the shareholders around education from parents groups or administrators, teachers uh, unions and such? How concerned are they for the certainty and stability of the school year, the rest of this year and heading into next coming out of this session? I think they're quite concerned, um, especially with this March 1 deadline looming. As you said, it could lead to the shortest school year that we, we've had, and then maybe you start the summer learning camps right away. Um, they're, they're very concerned uh, working behind the scenes because one of the proposals that's being floated is Republicans would come on board to lift the spending cap as long as the Democrats would then agree to support um, a big expansion of the voucher program. And I talked to uh, one Democratic lawmaker, uh, Representative Jennifer Pollack, a former teacher. She's a member of the Ed Committee. She's very involved in education issues. And she doesn't know what she would do if that were the choice. You know, would you would you allow this expansion in order to spare the schools that kind of cut? So there's a lot of concern. And there's a, there's anger that they're playing games with this. I mean, the expenditure limit, um, if raised, would all it would do was it would allow the schools to spend the money that the legislature appropriated to them back in June. So there's a lot of frustration and bubbling anger. And we've seen you know, some of the power of the, uh, the citizen referenda that they can marshal if, if needed. And uh, they're indicating that you know, there's stuff coming out of the legislature that they view as punitive to schools, that they'll deploy those resources again. What should parents be watching for? Uh, people who don't live in the political bubble, they just want a top line description of how this legislation or this legislative session could define their lives. What do they need to be on watch for? 
Uh, they need to be watching to see what's going to happen with their local school district if the spending cap is not is not raised because that will require cuts. I mean, everybody's going to have to cut something. It mostly will, likely will be personnel. Will it be teachers? Will it be bus drivers? They need to uh, be attuned to what's happening with, with their school. You know, start paying attention. Go, go to your school board and ask them, you know, what's your contingency plan if this, if this happens? And then um, on the legislation, we'll see if parents want to um, understand what more they can receive from their teachers in terms of what their student is doing in school. But that really, that bill is in such early stages, um, it's very hard to predict right now. So I, I keep an eye out for like, when, when, when is our school year going to end? And what's the plan for these summer camps if you're concerned about your child's learning loss? All right. Well, thank you both for uh, joining us today. And we'll keep our eyes on your reporting. Where can our listeners follow your work on Twitter? You can find me at Mary J. Pitzel, P-I-T-Z-L. And I'm at S. Barchinger. It's S-B-A-R-C-H-E-N-G-E-R. closes out today's episode, Gaggle listeners. Before you go, please rate and review our show and share this episode with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Kaylee Monahan. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. For The Gaggle, I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez. We'll see you next week.